Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. I'm in Galatians chapter number 7, or chapter 17, chapter 6, verse 17. This morning's where I'm at. Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 17, one verse. I'm going to outline the entire book. I can do it quick. I promise I can. And I want to preach something about this. This is what the Lord gave me to preach today. And, uh, actually, it came from Brother Anthony, down to pastor down at the church over on the mountain. He said something. It triggered this thought in me, and I, I began to look at it, and I thought, oh, yeah. That'll help me. I hope it helps you. You found Galatians 6 and 17. Shout amen. amen. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Father, I love you. And I thank you for this day and this time and this place and these people. I thank you for a chance to stand today, God, for the glory of Christ. I appreciate you Let me be behind this desk once again, Lord. I couldn't do it if you didn't give me strength. I pray you touch my voice. Help me, God, to be able to preach today. I pray you'd fill my mouth and guard my tongue. There may be some lost person in here today, God, that'll hear this. And the Holy Spirit, as we learned in Sunday school, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll draw them today to an altar, God, a place of repentance and and confession. Confess the Lord Jesus as Savior and King. I pray that you might do that today for us. God, 21 to go for this year's out, and we're counting on you to supply them, bring them into this place. So use me for a little while today, Lord. Touch me in body, but touch me in your spirit. I love you and I praise you. You've been a good God to me. I ask it in my King's name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And amen, I want to preach today on marks of the Lord. Marks of the Lord. The word mark there is stigmata, and it means this. It means to punch for recognition of ownership. It means a scar of service. So I want you to keep that in mind. There's three groups of people in, the, in, the, in Bible days, in, in the time in which Paul is is, is writing this letter. There's three groups of people that, that this was a common practice for them. One was slaves. If a slave ever ran away, you know what they done? When they come back, they put, a, they put a brand right there on his forehead and it always marked him as a slave. Number two, it was soldiers. They would, they would brand the soldiers and they would know which army they fought for and they was proud. They wore them scars on their forehead with pride. Now the slave didn't, but the soldier did. And there's another group of people, and it was those who seriously worshiped at false temples and idols. Now not all of them, but the one that was the most, that, that was most devout, they would have this. They would let someone take a branding iron and brand a symbol of their God right on their forehead. That would be very painful. And they would do this to mark them for ownership of someone. In other words, it was showing, it was saying this, this is what I'm connected to. I'm 
I'm in this, I belong to such and such temple with the insignia there burned in their forehead. Or I belong to such and such army. Or I have been a slave or I am a slave and I ran away and they branded me so everybody knows now that I'm a slave. Paul said, I'm marked. Chapter 1, here's what Paul warns about in this in, the, in Galatians. Chapter 1, Paul is, he's, he is very uh, staunch in this warning about another gospel. He said, if any man or an angel even preach another gospel, let him be accursed. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing for these people that are preaching another gospel than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they're preaching something outside the word, if they're preaching that it's got to be tied to a work, if they're trying to tie something to Christ, it's very dangerous that they do that. Paul said, let them be accursed. My, hey, that's the apostle to the Gentiles saying curse them. Let them be accursed. So Paul says also in chapter one that he's a servant of Christ. You know what he's saying? That word servant, I'm a slave. I'm a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. The difference in Paul and the runaway slaves was Paul was a slave by choice. But he bore the marks with honor. You still with me? Chapter number two, we find this out. We find we're justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith. And, and verse 20 said, faith of the Son of God. Let me tell you how much faith you have right now. If you're unsaved, you've got zero faith. And if you're saved today, you've got faith because he gave you faith. He dealt to every man the measure of faith. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, I can't have no faith unless he gives that measure to me. And he's given it to me. Now, there's measures of faith in the New Testament. I'm not going to preach on those today. But some have great, some have, some have small faith. Some don't really have any faith at all. Verse number, or chapter number three. We sing royal descendant. Here's what it is. The, those that are of faith, of Christ's faith, that you know what we are? We're, we're heirs and in the family of Father Abraham. We're in the family. We've been grafted in. There's no Jewish bloodline in my family that I can go back and trace. I can't, uh, McCoys are a bunch of heathens. And there we are, running around pilferaging, burning, stealing, running from Scotland to Ireland, couldn't decide where they wanted to live, so they lived on the line. They got in trouble over here, they'd run over here a while. Got in trouble over here, they'd take a boat, of course, back and forth. But here they are, running back and forth. But one time, I nailed at a locust fence post yeah. on Tate Road, right up from George's house. And there I met the King of Glory, right out in the weeds and the chiggers and the briars. There he was, the King of Glory, waiting on me at, a, at an old locust fence post. I'm telling you, praise God, everything changed. Everything changed. 
Listen, he's waiting on you. If you're unsaved this morning, he's waiting on you. But look here, you, you can come because of the engrafted word that's going to be preached. You can come. He'll give you a measure of faith. If you'll stand up, he'll give it to you. Here we have, we're in the family of Abraham. And, and, and I like this. I love this verse. In verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. I'm not under the law anymore. Christ fulfilled the sacrificial law of the Old Testament. Fulfilled in Christ. I don't have to worship on Saturday. Why? Because there's no more sacrifice necessary. There's no lamb that's got to be killed on Saturday anymore on Passover. You don't have to kill a lamb. Praise God, the lamb, the lamb of glory died one time for all men. Praise the Lord. There's no more sacrifices. And I'm in the family. And he's redeemed me from the curse of the law. I can eat anything that walks, wiggles, or moved if I bless it before I eat it. And if you want to be a vegetarian, help yourself. That's what he said. All things are good if received with thanksgiving. I couldn't have done that under the law. That was out. There's a lot of things we eat. Some of you probably had bacon for breakfast this morning. You wouldn't have had that. You'd have been under the law. Out. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. You agree with that? Chapter number four, sons of God, by his spirit, we're baptized by, listen, one spirit into one body. It is the Holy Ghost that puts us in the body of Christ. We, he enables us with faith. We believe that. We receive that. And the spirit of God moves in us. The Bible said, if we have not the spirit of Christ, we're none of his. The spirit of God moves in us, puts us in the body. We are baptized. That word there means identified with. He places us in, fully submerged. Praise God. Dunks us under and puts us in the body. If you're in the body, that's happened to you. If, you're, if that's never happened to you, you're not in the body according to the scripture. And this is not opinion. I can take you to the verse, show it to you, let you read it for yourself. So here we are. Mark's talking about being a nine-year-old boy when the Lord saved him, got into the family. Praise God. And we hear, then he, in verse 23 of that, here's what he says. There's a, there's a bond woman that bore a son, but that was after the flesh. This shows the, the, two, the two characters of man. It's the fleshly man, but he said, said but we're born of the free woman. Chapter 5. Now, chapter 5 is a verse. There's a verse in chapter 5 which caused a lot of chaos and confusion. And it is the, some Armenians try to use this to argue with Calvinists, and, 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 but they're on, they're on shaky ground because the Bible said, if you're justified by law, the law, then you've fallen from grace. In other words, you're choosing law over grace. You best not choose the law over the grace. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm living under grace today. We are in the dispensation of grace. 
This is the greatest time to be alive on the his, in the history of the world. He's put us, praise God. He's put us in it. He could have let us been born at another time. I could have been born in an Islamic nation. Praise God, I was born in Crossville, Tennessee, where the grace of God was talked about and the word of God preached. And I knew, praise God, I needed to be saved. Thank God I could have been, I could have been out there on my own, Gabe, somewhere else. Don't be too hard on Muslims. They don't know any better. They just need Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but they think, just think he's a prophet. They don't think he's God. I'm telling you, if you're here and you're saved this morning, you know he's God. And if you're here and you're unsaved, you're on shaky ground. You don't know whether he is or whether he's not. You're not sure about it. Don't know what to do about it. Come and call upon the name of the Lord and be safe. There you go. Now, verse 22, chapter number five says this. I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to be quick on my points this morning, I promise. I felt compelled to give you an outline on this, on this particular book. Because chapter 25 says, uh, I mean, verse 22 of chapter five says this. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Can I ask you this morning, if you're bearing any of this fruit, is the, in your life, in your daily life, in your marriage, in your home, in your relationship with your children, at the workplace, do people see these marks on you? Love, joy, peace. Do they see that on you? Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Do they see that? Do they see that? I'll tell you what happened one time. I was working with this old boy. I may have told this here. I don't know. I was working with this old boy, and he professed to. I was in a revival. I used to go sing before I preached so much. But I was singing at this revival, and that guy was there, and he come forward that night and got saved. This is on down the road. Three or four years, we're working together. And he's a, he is a habitual complainer. Whined about everything. Nothing was ever right. He didn't like, I mean, he didn't even like his own dog. Just everything was wrong. And I said, I said, are, I heard it all. I could stand it one day. I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, you know I am. You was there when I got saved. I said, you don't act like a Christian. About halfway made him mad. He said, how one's supposed to act? Before I thought, I said, act like me. <laughs> that come out of my mouth, Jake, and I thought, whew, you ought not have said that, Bubba. Now, now, he's going to be watching you. He's already watching. He's going to really be watching you now. But you know what I found about that? I found that on my worst days, guess who showed up to work with me? I couldn't be mad. I couldn't be upset. I had to be the happiest guy in the building when he showed up. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's watching. I told him to do it. But they got to see, listen, the people around you, they're not seeing any love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and temperance. Friend, what have you got? You don't have the fruit of the Spirit. At least that's what the Bible says. You know, I'll take the Bible's word for it. That's not the preacher. I can show you that to you. Verse 22 of chapter 5. So what are you saying about this preacher? 
I'm saying this is an outline on this, and it's bringing us to this point. Paul says in chapter number six then, he said, here's how he starts it out. If you see a brother taken in a fault, what does that mean? Brothers are faultful. We have faults about us. You see a brother taken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. If you can't go to them in the spirit of meekness and try to encourage and exhort the brethren, keep your mouth shut. But if you can go in humility and say, hey, friend, can I help you? Can, 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 I, can I encourage you? And when they say they give you a bunch of things that's wrong, you be honest and confess to them, you know, I've lived through a few of those things myself. Oh, yeah. Everybody in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've lived through a few of those things. You exhort the brethren. And then if a brother's burdened down real bad and he asks, he, he asks for your help, hey, you know what? Barry's burdened with him. But he also says there's some burdens that he can't, you can't help him bear. He's going to have to bear his own burden. Are you still with me? Last one of this. In verse number eight of chapter number six, here's what he said. We have, we have this. We have the... We have the the law or the principle of sowing and reaping. You ever sown some bad things and that's what come up? You sow it, you'll reap it. That's how it is. We don't want those things, then don't sow those things. Misery loves company. You ever heard that old saying? That's not in the Bible, but it's still true. Misery loves company. Why? Because they sow the misery. Guess what's around them all the time? Misery. And, and so, so handfuls of it. And trouble. And, 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 and just, just chaos. Not to love, joy, peace. Man, if we just had them three all the time, wouldn't it be good, Brother Dennis? Love, joy, and peace, peace, peace at the house. If I don't have peace anywhere else, I'm going to have peace at home. That's as far as you can go. That's my introduction. Three things that I think marks Christians today. Number one is this. If you don't have this, the mark... The mark of the Lord's not on you. Number one thing that marks us is love. Anthony Gossett down there all week, he got up and said, this is a loving church. We're not big, but we love each other. This is love. He talked about love all week. By the end of the week, he had me convinced them people loved each other. Love. Now, we know this, but let me get the right scripture. We know this by Matthew 22 and verse 37, that, that Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And when Mark records it, he adds strength to that. Why should we love him? We love him, Jimmy, because what? He first loved us, A plus. A plus, class. He first loved us. God commanded his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he, listen, you know what that means? That means the child abuser out there. Listen, that means the pervert. 
That means, that means those that are cutting people's head off for the cause of Christ. He died for them just like he did Branch Myers and Mike McCoy. He died for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus died. That's why when Michael sings, when he's on the cross, I was on his mind. It lights him up. He died for us. It don't matter how bad we've been, where we've been. Jesus died for us. Praise God, I'm about to have a spell in that way. You can't get good on your own. There's nothing good in you. But everything about him's good. Every single thing about him's good. There's no fault in Christ. He's the faultless lamb. Praise God. Love. We love the Lord. We're commanded to love him. But if he's ever really saved you, you're going to love him. Let me go out on a limb. Don't cut it off. Listen, we will never love him as much as he loves us. Why? Because God is love. The love marks us. But we not only have love for the Lord, he told us to have love for the brethren. Uh huh. Jimmy sent me this verse yesterday. He said, and this is what it's in John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. That's how we know. How do they know? What does that do, Michael? That marks us. What is that? Who was it I was talking to? And someone said something about a preacher. And they told him, said, I'm not listening to that. I love that guy. He may have been as wrong as two left feet, but hey, look here. I'm not listening to it. They'll get the idea they don't want you to hear you talking when you do that. Huh? We know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. That's how we know we love them. Now, we may not like some of the things they do. And listen, you can love some people and it's hard to like them, though. That's the truth. But you can still love them. Why well, love them do this? You may be aggravated. You may not be a, want to be around them. They, you guys may have this at school. You got some guys you'd rather be around, people you'd rather be around. Some people you just soon not be around. But you got to love their soul. Listen, you got to love them. Jesus said in Luke, let me get to verse. Jesus said in Luke, chapter number 6 and verse 27. Here we go. It's not only love the Lord and love the brethren. He said to love your enemies. Who's that? That's the lost people. Love the lost. My word, where are we at if we don't have love for, for lost people? What if nobody loved us, Junior? Brother, we'd be in trouble. Somebody loved us. Somebody cared enough to pray for us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> he loved us. He said, you want to be marked as, as living for the Lord? You want the marks of the Lord on you? You're going to love people. You love the Lord, you love the brethren, and you love the lost people. I prayed for Sodom Hussein until he jumped off the scaffold and yelled, Allah Akbar. I prayed for Osama bin Laden until they blowed his brains out over there in his house. I prayed for these guys, fervent prayer. I pray every day for this bunch, for 
Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Adam Schiff, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, fervently beg God every day to touch their hearts. He said, love your enemies. Number two, the marks of Christ is love. Number two, the marks of Christ is labor. People that love him, you won't have to beg them to do stuff. They'll be hunting something to do. The Bible said in Philippians 2, 12, 2, 12, he said this. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that say? Number one, it says this. Salvation is personal. Your labor, Mark Madden's labor is personal. I can't work Mark's work for Mark. And we're about to learn in our Sunday school lesson, faith without works is dead. God trying to help somebody this morning. Here's what he said in Mark 13, 34. I've preached this a bunch of times concerning the porter. Uh, Everybody had ever heard uh, Roger Duncan give the illustration, took that message and run with it. He said, the son of man is as a man taking a journey in a far country. He give, he give authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. He gave every man his work. That's Jimmy. That's personal work. It's personal. He wants, he, he wants, Kay, Kay, did he leave? Kay, here, did he leave? I thank you. Yeah. It's personal. Randy Maynard can't do my work. I can't do Randy's. You've got it. To whom much is given, much is required of him. If you've had that work and you laid that work down, listen, you need to pick it back up again because of this. I want you to hear my voice this morning. That work is not only personal, but it's perpetual. He don't, I, I can't find where he said, you're off the hook, Mike. You know what I find in Luke chapter 19, verse 13? He said, Occupy until I come. Occupy till I come. What does that mean? That means the work that's personal in us, that labor that marks us, bless God, as marks of the Lord. They see you doing it. I'm going to confess something this morning. My wife's going to hold me to this. I hate doing this. You'll learn. So Cal Ray asked me, we'd gone out to lunch. Cal Ray said this. He said, hey, brother, said, I don't ask you a question. Cal and I, same age. He said, I don't ask you a question. How long are you going to keep the schedule you've got? Dennis, I said, I think I'm going to let up next year. And it's hard. Somebody said this, said it's hard to say no. 
Because you still got the burning to do it. But you don't have the body. But it's still got the burning. So instead of booking every week a revival, I think I'm going to cut it down to two a month. Because I still got the burning. And if he, if, he, if he burns me and tells me not to do that, Jason, then I'll hobble in and do the best I can. But I'm going to tell you, I laid around like a dead dog yesterday. Uh, last week whipped the time out of me, Roland. I'm not boasting in myself. I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to give you a picture here. You got a personal work. Have you laid it down? Well, maybe you can't do it as much as you once did, but I'm telling you, there's no place to quit. He said, occupy till I come. You won't have to deal with Mike McCoy concerning it. You won't have to deal with me. I won't have to deal with you. My wife told me one time, you do not have to take every appointment. And at that time, the Holy Ghost was burning my soul. And I said, yes, I do. You don't understand. She can't understand. God called her alongside to help me, but he called me to do that work. I'm glad I found in the book of Leviticus where the priest worked, got up to a certain age and he kind of let him off the hook a little bit. What's your work? What's your labor that marks you, that marks you as being belonging to the Lord, and are you doing that work? Now, it may just be come sit on a pew, tithe, and tell people about Jesus. That might be your occupation till He comes, but it may be more than that. Will there be times you get tired? Are you kidding me? Paul said, I bear the marks of the Lord in me. They've beat me. They've whipped me. I've been in the deep. Listen, they've let me down over the wall. They stoned him to death at Lystra. They've done all these things. Oh, Paul just kept getting back up. Tony Wilson, when I need inspiration, I flip over there and read them pages and acts about the apostle Paul. And somehow, Randy, I get a little breath of fresh air. God said, get back up. It's the labor. It marks us. But last, last today, it's not just the labor, but it is the liberty that Christ gives us that marks us different than the world. The liberty. Listen to this. Listen. Luke 4, 18. Jesus is in his home church. He's in his home church at Capernaum. They've watched him all these years in his home church. And all of a sudden on this day. Brother Eric, this is the day that God had appointed for him to get up and take the scripture and read. And he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance of the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. What does that mean? Set at liberty. He set them free. John 8, about verse 32, somewhere in there, he says this, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. 
So there we are. The liberty in which we stand. We're free. We're free from the guilt, the shame, the pain, all the things that sin does. We're free from that today. Aren't you glad? If you're still in it, friend, he don't want you in it. You can be free. There's the liberty. Paul said, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ makes us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Get in the free book. We've got liberty lived. He said in John 10, 10. I am come that you might have life. And have it what? More abundantly, A plus. I'm come that you might. Can I ask you a question? Are you living in that abundant life today? I'm not talking about having wads of money. That's not abundant life. That's more burden according to the word of God. You got a lot more responsibility. You got up a bunch of stuff hoarded up. Can I ask you, are you living that abundant life? Is the, are you marked by his love that you have for him and to have for the brethren and have for the lost people? Are you marked by this? Are you marked by the labor in which you do for the Lord? Are you marked by the liberty where he lets us stand? Are we standing fast? We have, listen, we have this liberty to live in, but we have this liberty to leave with Randy preaches this verse often. I've heard him preach it more than once. And it's good, better, gooder and gooder every time I hear it. John 14, one of my favorite all-time passages. Use it at a lot of funerals. But he said this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. You know what that is? That's liberty to leave. One of these days he's going to say, Hey, Mike! Class dismissed. School is out. That's good, Randy. School is out. Class dismissed. Kids don't know what summer vacation is anymore. They want to get you going year round. But one of these days you'll get out of school. Class will be dismissed. You'll be wishing you was back in it. You get to join the workforce. Hallelujah. Let your preacher encourage you to join the workforce. Don't be one that lives off everybody else. Get you a job. That's good advice from the preacher. The Bible said if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Brother Branch, we're leaving here one of these days. We might leave together. I might leave before you, Randy. But I'm leaving. And I'm free to do so. Because he made me that way. Brother Gabe, I'm just going to check out one day. Gone. If Grimsley's still in business when they take me, if Lydia's running the show, hello, Lydia, I love you. Make sure it's Robert that takes care of me. And I want him to sew me a, I want him to sew a smile on my face. Show just, they don't ever show you teeth, but I want them to show just a little bit of teeth. Because I've said that so many times in revivals. They look like they're mad. If I, I'll say, show me your teeth. One guy gave them to me one night. I put them in my pocket. His wife come back and said, can we have his teeth? We need to go home. 
What are they seeing in you? They see anger, malice. You blow up. You have trouble. They're watching us. They see in the marks of the Lord. They see the love of the Lord. They see the love for the lost people. We wouldn't get near as mad at people if we loved lost people like we should. Do they see that labor for the Lord that you're doing? And it's a personal labor. But you, you know what? It just got hard. It, it's got hard and it don't seem like it's worth it anymore. And you just laid it down because of people. I hope they see the liberty you've got in living for the Lord today. And only he can give that to you. Verena, come on. And I I pray. I pray today that in any one of these areas, God spoke to you about it. That you come talk to him about it. Because listen, friend, it don't have a thing to do with Mike McCoy. I want you to understand that, doesn't it? I love you. I love you whether you do the work or not. And I'll preach to you. And I know, I know my preaching here is pastoral. But if you want evangelistic preaching, load up and go with me somewhere. I'll jump benches and run and carry on if I can. I'd, but it's not, in the, it's not in the method of it. It's in, the, it's in the message. And here's the thing this morning. You better know it. God's got a personal work for everybody in this pew tonight or this morning. And, he, and it never goes away. It might increase. But listen, he, unless you just throw it away. It's kind of the old principle, use it or lose it. Boy, look at that. Precious, precious baby. Praise God. Russell and Ashton and Jake and Bobby Lynn, the only two been listening to me. And there it is. So God posed this thing to me. Do you, I want you to get this. We're in the place soft. I want them to get this right here. With those marks that I was talking about in the forehead, in Revelation, speaking to the church of Philadelphia, I put my notes up too soon. Speaking to the church in Philadelphia, the Lord said this, Revelation 3 and 12, He said, I'll write my own name upon him. So you think that's a literal name? It could be figurative. But you'll know it when he does it. But did you know, did you know that in Revelation 14 and 9, if you've not heard anything I say, you better listen this morning to this right here. In Revelation in 14 and 9, there's another mark. And you know where it's at? In their forehead and in their right hand. And you know what it's called? The mark of the beast. And the Bible said, if you take that mark, you're damned. You're done. You couldn't, you couldn't come to heaven. Never. Say, well, I won't have to worry about taking that. You will if the church leaves and you're left here. For the first three and a half years, you won't have to worry about it. But I'm going to tell you, in that last three and a half, it's going to be a time like this world's never seen. The Bible called it the time of Jacob's trouble. 
And I'm reading you straight Bible this morning. There it is, 14 and 9. You take the mark, you're done. If you won't give your heart to him this morning in here with people loving you and be rejoicing in the fact that you gave your heart to the Lord, how would you think you'd give your head to be saved later? I don't know that they will, Jake. Now I know 144,000 Jews are going to be sealed up. I'm having trouble stopping this morning. I'm going to stop, Randall. I, I, I just need to know today to clear my conscience that I've done everything I could do. Is what you've got good enough to die with? Are you bearing the marks? While we stand to our feet, Randall leads us in song. I'm going to ask you, if you need to come this morning, if you need to come, you ought to come. You, you, you think that there isn't anyone else ever got tired in the way and felt like laying it down? You think that you're the only one that might be struggling with knowing the exact work God has for you? All you got to do is come talk to him while we sing, Brother Randall. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.